Welcome to the Texas Top 100 Podcast. We're back after a brief hiatus recording here on January 13th, 2020. Let us be the last to wish you all a happy new year. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday season and we're off and rolling in 2020. Great basketball going on in the state of Texas. We're going to talk some college hoops. We're going to talk some high school hoops going on right now as both seasons are in full swing. I am BK Brad Kellner, joined as always by the co-founder and president of Texas Top 100. That is Nils Deco. Nils, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm just trying to get through this rainy day in Houston, Texas. And get through the new year, trying to get some basketball stuff happening. No doubt, no doubt. And we are joined by... An Austin resident, I think we could still call him an Austinite, but now he's up in school at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. He is the newest member of the Texas Top 100 team, and he is Lucas Vargas. What's up, Lucas? How you doing, man? Good. Another semester in the books, getting ready for my uh, second semester of junior year up here. So things going well so far. Uh, looking forward to the winter in Michigan. No doubt about that. Is anyone actually looking forward to the winter in Michigan? I feel like you're looking forward to it to be over, right? You know, it really hasn't been that bad so far. Uh, I've been up here, obviously, through November and December already, and uh, it has not not been terrible yet. So we'll see if it continues that way, but you never know uh, what, what's going to happen up here. No doubt about that. All right, guys, let's start with some college hoops, and let's start with maybe the most impressive team in the country right now. It's been a crazy year for college basketball, all sorts of parity. We've seen upsets left and right. Uh, already six teams have been ranked number one in the AP Top 25 but the team that might be having the best year out of anybody resides here in the great state of Texas. That is the Baylor Bears, who jumped all the way up to number two in today's AP Top 25. They're behind only Gonzaga. Baylor went up to Allen Fieldhouse and knocked off Kansas on Saturday. First time the Bears have ever won a game at Allen Fieldhouse. It was Baylor's first ever road win against a top five opponent. Baylor now 13-1 on the year, 3-0 in conference play. And they're also 5-0 and against ranked teams so far in the 2019-2020 season. Nils, how impressed are you and how surprised are you at the success that Baylor's had so far this year? I mean, they're dominating teams. I mean, they went to Texas Tech last week and beat up on them. I mean, that game wasn't as close as the score indicated. I mean, they were well ahead the whole game. And, you know, then Saturday, they go up to Allen Fieldhouse and, I mean, just shut down Kansas. I mean, I don't think Kansas scored 20 points until like four minutes to go in the first half. I mean, I've never seen a Kansas – team offensively struggle as much. I mean, this is a, as we always talk about college basketball, you want to be old. And this is a mature team that, you know, Scott Drew has. And, you know, for some reason, I mean, it's because it's Baylor, but the guy, year in and year out, they win basketball games. And this might be maybe not his most talented team, but probably his most together team, it looks like, when they play defense. I mean, they play defense like Texas Tech did last year. And it looks to me like, the Big 12 championship goes through Waco this year. I mean, they just won. Okay, I mean, you think about it. This last week, they won the two toughest road games they're going to have this year. At Allen Fieldhouse and at the United Arena out there in Lubbock. Those yeah. are the two toughest road venues. Um, I mean, they're going to probably sweep Texas. You know what I mean? And that was never thought about when the season started. But, I mean, overly impressed. I mean, this is a team that, you know, every night, you know, defense – always travels, like they like to say, in basketball, football, or baseball, whatever it may be. But they do have probably one of the better defensive teams in the country this year, much like Texas Tech did last year. And how Texas Tech and Virginia got to the national championship game and 
you're in and out, you're going to have to have that. Maybe Baylor might be that team this year. Yeah, they're deep, they're experienced, they've got talent all across the board, and they've got two very, very impressive wins, and I agree with you 100%. I mean, they, they went on the road to the two toughest venues in this Big 12 conference and picked up wins. They have to be considered the favorite to win this conference, at least right now. It's early on, but what they've done is impressive. Lucas, what are your thoughts on Baylor, and do you think they should be number one ahead of Gonzaga? Well, Gonzaga's pretty much got a clear shot at holding on to number one, probably because of the conference schedule they have for the rest of the way. I think Gonzaga's a really good team. Uh, you know, I think the number one ranking this year doesn't mean as much as it probably did in years past anyways because of all the, uh, you know, all the, all the turnover that we've seen just in the rankings period. I mean, don't just forget the top spot, but just all over the place. I mean, it's been incredible to watch the rankings change week in, week out, but this is a Baylor team that, you know, four of their best players have a red shirt year under their belt. It really goes against the norm that a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, trends seem to point to of guys that want to get in and get out of college, especially good. Players. I mean, Baylor's found a way to, you know, keep good guys and then also convince players that eventually become very important for them to take red shirt years and really take their time to learn and develop and reach that full potential that they have. And, you know, the, the roster building that they have done has really contributed to their ability to be as good as they are and probably is going to help them stay up there because in a year with so much, uh, you know, inconsistency at the top, maybe a team with as much experience as it does have can, can really lean on that experience to uh, get them through the rest of the Big 12 schedule and that, you know, you never know what's going to happen in March, and this year really seems like March is going to be wild. Yeah, I want to ask both of you guys this question, because uh, you just brought up a good point, Lucas. I mean, the parity in college basketball this year has been insane. It feels like the playing field is more level than it's ever been. We've seen so many number one teams go down. It seems like there's a top 10 or 15 team losing every single night in college basketball this year. Uh, Nils, we'll start with you on this one. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're seeing so many upsets this year in college basketball versus years past? Well, I think you see, you know, I think you see the grad transfer, the immediate, you know, transfer that was playing at a different school is playing somewhere, you know, now. I mean, you see it all over. I mean, I watched yesterday Purdue. They had a kid, uh, what's his name? I think he was from Lipscomb, the Wheeler kid. Uh, no, it's Proctor, who transferred and got, you know, was a grad transfer and immediately playing. So, I mean, you look at what Chris Beard's done over the last couple of years. I mean, he was always plug and play, right? You'd have a kid like Mooney or a kid like Tariq Owens who would just be immediate, you know, immediately eligible, and it would take probably, you know, first two months of the year for that guy to get comfortable. Once they get comfortable in March, I mean, in February, March, then all of a sudden the team turns around. And I think you're going to see more and more of that in these teams that are that are older. I mean, you look at Baylor. I mean, Lucas said it. Four out of those five, their five best players, and their best player has been kind of hurt, Tristan Clark. He had the knee injury last year. He got injured this year. So, I mean, you think about it, he was supposedly going to be their best player, and he really hasn't given them much because he hasn't been healthy. But like Lucas said, 80% of their, you know, the four out of the five best players are older, more mature. And you have to have that in college basketball. I mean, at all levels. I mean, you know, Duke has, it will struggle probably this year because they don't have a mature roster. They've got Vernon Carey, they got Trey Jones, and they got, oh, the skinny white kid from uh, Minnesota. Can't remember his name. Matthew Hurt. But, yeah, Hurt. I mean, they're not mature. So there's going to be a situation where, they probably, you know, stub their foot in early, you know, the second round of the tournament because they don't have that maturity. And, you know, you look at North Carolina this year. 
Yeah. Sure, last year, not mature this year, really struggling, might not make the tournament for the first time in probably 20 years. So, you know, it's a maturity level, in my opinion. That's why you see so much of it because, I mean, it's like yesterday. So, last week, Illinois beats up Purdue by 26. Then Purdue yesterday turns around, wins by 29 against, you know, a Michigan State team that had won eight games in a row. I mean, you see it every day. And then, you, I know I don't like to put, a, I don't want to blame the refs, but, the referees in basketball have more influence than any other, you know, referees in any sport, baseball, football, always in basketball. They yeah. have more impact, how the game's going to be called that day. If you watched that game yesterday, it seems like every time we, Michigan State goes to Mackey, you know, I'm, I knew what was going to happen yesterday. Michigan State was going to go down and get beat up because, you know, Purdue is physical, coming off a rough week with two losses. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when do these guys play? And they're also playing more conference games, if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the Big Ten playing 20 games. You're going to have more upsets because you've got, you know, they're going to play 10 road games in the Big Ten, you know, 10 conference games. So four or five of those from the top 15 teams, they're going to struggle. I think, you know, I, I really think that more teams, you see it year, year in, year out, the grad transfers and being able to get older. Because like Baylor, they're old this year. They're going to have a great chance of winning the Big 12. Whereas with Kansas, you know, they've got some older guys, but they're also relying on some younger guys like uh, what's the Isaiah, what's his name, Isaiah Todd? Isaiah Moss, the Iowa Isaiah transfer, Moss. yep. Yeah, so, I mean, he's not old. I mean, he's not young, but, I mean, you know, there's an immediate guy. You know, he transferred, and he's immediately eligible. So, mm-hmm. I think the whole landscape of college basketball is different than it was five, six years ago because you could take a kid that graduated in three years at a uh, mid-major, he goes to a power five program all of a sudden everything's changed chris clark there at texas tech another yeah. guy he 12 13 points a game at virginia tech two years ago for buzz williams gets himself in some trouble transfers sits out last year and now all of a sudden you know one of their top four or five players no doubt lucas what about you man how do you explain the parity and the number of upsets we've seen in college basketball thus far well i just think that every team has been more competitive this year i don't know if they're all better than last year but they're certainly more competitive amongst each other, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the, in a way, what we kind of alluded to as well with Texas Tech and Baylor uh, in the past and the fact that you know, a lot of teams are accepting that they can find talent in different places other than just, just recruiting. I mean, you can go through all levels of basketball now, the junior college level, the mid-majors, I mean, even Division two or Division three if you really want to, and, and find good quality players that – uh, can you know can fit what you want to do and I also think if you look at the you know the teams that have really battled each other a lot of these teams do have like an identity that they really stick to and you know Butler has has their uh, their identity and they're they're at number five right now um, Florida State you know has an identity West Virginia like these are teams that Wichita State I mean these are teams that just have kind of bought into who they want to be and they understand what they're looking for. And I think teams have gotten a lot better at recruiting to that identity that they that they want to play with, and therefore it's almost made them more competitive because of their ability just to to find guys that really fit their culture right away instead of chase guys that won't fit in right now. And and uh, you know I, I really think that has played a big a big role in helping all, every team just be more competitive amongst each other. Yeah, culture and experience. I like both of those answers, guys. All right, bringing things back to the great state of Texas. We mentioned Baylor's the number two team in the country in the newest AP Top 25 poll. Only one other team in the state is ranked. That is Texas Tech, who lost to Baylor last week. They are ranked number 23. 
Nowhere to be found are Texas and Texas A&M. You even see TCU receiving some votes. They received eight votes this year. The Horned Frogs are 3-0 so far in Big 12 play. But, guys, the two biggest and the two flagship public universities here in the state of Texas are really, really struggling. Texas A&M, maybe you understand it. They've got a first-year head coach with Buzz Williams. It's going to take some time to turn turn things around in College Station. But with Texas, the Longhorns, in year five of the Shaka Smart era, and once again, it appears like this is a team that is destined to miss the tournament. Uh, Nils, your thoughts on what you've seen from Texas and uh, and Texas A&M so far this year? I mean, Texas is the same old story. I mean, they struggled to score the basketball. They had 44 points against uh, Baylor the other night. It just seems there's no offensive identity. Uh, we talked at length with some people in terms of them playing fast on offense. You know, Neil Berry under the uh, idea of being like Jay, Jay Wright at Villanova and walking the ball up, being on a make or miss. You know, they really don't push the ball in transition. And, you know, in basketball, you have to score in transition because it's too hard to score in the half court. It's just too hard. You have to be almost perfect unless you're going to shoot 60 or 70% from the field, which is something that, you know, you can't bank on every game. Um, you know, I think the defense is getting better. I think, you know, but that's something that's been good the whole time. It's like half-court defense hasn't been the issue at Texas over uh, Shaka Smart's five years in Austin. It's been the issue with the lack of offense. Mm-hmm. So the first year he inherited that roster that was had a lot of maturity from Rick Barnes with Isaiah Taylor and, you know, Devon Felix and uh, uh, Lambert and uh, who was the big kid from Houston? What's his name? Cam Ridley. Yeah, Cam Ridley. So, you know, Offensively, they've struggled since that first year, yeah. right? They're still struggling. Um, you know, everyone expected Courtney Ramey to make big strides. But here's what's happened, and this is the same thing that's happened to Aaron Henry. When you go from being the fourth or fifth guy on one team scouting report to being the second or third, everything changes in your game. Because now all of a sudden they know exactly what you can and can't do. They know that Courtney Ramey is not ultra-athletic, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going to beat them off the dribble. Um, that's just, you know, he's – He's a decent shooter, not a great shooter. Uh, so I think he's kind of – he was the guy that I think they thought was going to score 18 points a game, maybe 16 points a game, and kind of take that pressure off Matt Coleman. And then Febris, you know, when, when, when Jace Febris is good, Texas is good. But now all of a sudden people are guarding him. And the absence of Curran Roach, someone that was a straight-line drive guy that could get buckets at will, is something they really miss because they really don't have that consistently. Coleman has to play way too many minutes. You know, instead of playing – 32 minutes a game, he's probably playing 36-37 because Ramey doesn't do anything at, at the point. And then Andrew Jones, you know, going through the chemo, his legs aren't back. You can tell that his legs have still yet to uh, come back to they were when he was a freshman at Texas. He doesn't seem as quick or as athletic or have that step or the ability to get and elevate. But, you know, maybe hopefully that will come with time as, you know, he gets back into the, you know, the thing of, you know, getting back into a, a routine. But, I think Texas is a situation where they're always going to struggle to score, and they have to almost be perfect every night. And that's you know you don't see that. I mean Oklahoma, I mean uh, Kansas State's not a very good team. You know they struggled with them for about oh 25 minutes, and then mm-hmm. kind of you know ran away with the end. But I mean it's not well, that's not like a win that you're going to get a pat on the back from. You know hopefully you can sweep Kansas State. That's probably the only team in the conference I think it's going to be. Uh, I think they'll end up being the worst team in the conference. So I think Texas, you know, once again, we're going to struggle with the offense. And, you know, hopefully they can get to 500 in the conference. But I think it's going to be really tough. We discussed that last week after that, you know, Baylor game. 
it is going to be hard for them to get you know any more than seven or eight wins in conference. Yeah, the uh, Ken Palm projections right now have the Longhorns going six and twelve in Big Twelve conference play. That likely not enough to get the Longhorns into the NCAA tournament, especially considering the lack of quality wins that the Longhorns picked up in the non-con. Of course, Shaka Smart zero NCAA tournament wins since taking over in 2015, and he entered this season ten games below 500 in conference play, and once again, the Longhorns 1-2 and two in Big 12 play to start the year. Lucas, what about you, man? You're a, an Austin native. You watch just about every Texas Longhorn basketball game. Sort of feels like more of the same, right? The offense continues to struggle. Not a whole lot of positive things to build on right now with Shaka Smart's program. Yeah, I mean, the offense just is it's just stuck in the same same state that it seems like it's been in for for the last, like you said, however many years it's been. I mean, just hasn't hasn't progressed like like you thought it was going to be. Still hasn't really turned into that fast paced of play that you know almost seemed promised when the Shaka Smart era began. Uh, just, you know that that real uh, press style, never havoc style, never really took off in Austin and never really got going uh, from the start. And you know I think I think as a result, it's it's really hurt the Longhorn program because I think they've recruited to players that could maybe play in that in that style over you know, at different stretches during the, the time, but never really gone in that direction. And I just think it's crazy to think about how during my lifetime, you know, I'm uh, 21 years old now, I guess, and, you know, the the power of, of the state of basketball in Texas has just shifted completely. I mean, Baylor and Texas Tech, you never really thought that those programs would be at the top of Texas basketball. I mean, I think you can argue that Houston is probably – the third best program in the state. And then, you know, TCU really isn't that far behind, if not maybe at tied or ahead of the Longhorns. And Texas A&M is building, obviously, with Buzz Williams. So I don't know if they really belong in this conversation right now, but mm-hmm. it's just amazing how far the Longhorn program has fallen uh, in the last uh, Decades. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I'm glad you brought up Houston. Houston also receiving votes. They received four votes in the new AP Top 25. I mean, that's a Sweet 16 team from a year ago. Coach Sampson down there has done phenomenal work at the U of H, kind of reviving that program. But you're right, man. It has been a struggle for Texas. And Shaka Smart still has three fully guaranteed years left on his contract at the end of this year. I thought his seat was pretty hot last year. I thought if Texas didn't make the big dance in 2018-19, then Shaka Smart was going to be axed. That was not the case. The Longhorns win the NIT. Maybe he bought himself a little bit of time with that. But, uh, man, it, it sort of feels like that should be the case for this year. If the Longhorns, with all the talent that they have, considering how well they've recruited, they didn't lose a whole lot from last year's team either. If they can't even reach the tournament, that feels like it should be enough for Shaka Smart to lose his job. Of course, they're trying to build a new basketball arena here in Austin. You would like to put some butts in those seats and have some money to help build that arena. But uh, not working out right now for Shaka Smart, and this offense is just uh, its painfully bad. It's painfully tough to watch. And I, I don't know. We'll see what happens over the course of this year. But I haven't seen anything from the Longhorns to this point to feel super confident that this is an NCAA tournament team. And they only have one remotely quality win, and that was at Purdue, which was impressive. Tough to win at Mackey Arena. But outside of that, every good team the Longhorns have played, they have really struggled against. All right, guys, any more college basketball topics you all want to hit before we make the move to some of the high school action going on here in the state of Texas? What do we miss college-wise? Well, you know, we go back to Baylor, this Freddie Gillespie guy, right? He's yeah. a Division three player from St. Paul, Minnesota. And, you know, the Baylor staff did an unbelievable job of, you know, evaluating this kid. They redshirted him. I think he walked on 
redshirted, and all of a sudden now he's averaging nine points and nine rebounds, and he's a defensive president, 6'9", 245, probably 22, 23 years old, so he's really mature. So, I mean, just an unbelievable job of evaluating, plugging a guy into your system, developing them, and then all of a sudden, as a senior, he's going to have a career year because, like they always say, your seniors have to have their best years. If they have their best years, you know, you're going to have success. Like the, the Van Du kid who went to Hutchinson Junior College, senior, mature, he's out of Canada. And just another kid, you know, and they're mature across the board. You know, Matt Mayer uh, plays a little bit. You know, he's a sophomore out of Austin, Westlake, ultra-athletic. But, you know, he's a kid that kind of just gets a few minutes. But, I mean, Baylor's done an amazing job. And, you know, you have to give that guy a Scott Drew a pat on the back because, I mean, he does it year in and year out. Probably one of the most underrated coaches in the country. You know, he doesn't get a lot of fanfare, but – Baylor might have a uh, a team of uh, a generational team this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. They defend incredibly well. Butler, Teague, Vital, Gillespie's a hell of a story, as you mentioned. They are unbelievably experienced, deep, and really, really good. And you're right, Scott Drew, one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. It's been that way for a while, and he's been getting it done at Baylor for a while. Not a fan favorite necessarily outside of Waco, but uh, fans in Waco definitely love him, and rightfully so. They're legit final four contender this year which would be a crazy crazy story all right guys uh let's talk some high school hoops here in the great state of texas let's start with an austin kid greg brown the third of course at austin vandergrift high school one of the top 10 recruits in the country for college basketball we have him as our number two player for the class of 2020 behind Cade Cunningham of course you can check out our rankings at texastop100.com guys it feels like everyone has assumed that Greg Brown was going to stay at home and go to the University of Texas to play his likely one year of college hoops here in Austin but things aren't going great for Texas basketball we just talked about it you know Greg Brown is getting looks and offers from just about every program in the country uh, what are y'all hearing, Nils? We'll start with you. What are you hearing on on Greg Brown? What do you think of the kid and the way he's playing? Number one, but also uh, his college prospects for this year. I mean, you know, he's an uber talented basketball player. You know, ultra athletic. His second jump's about as quick as anybody, and you're going to see in basketball today probably is, you know anybody in the NBA today. Just um, you know, if you if you think you know long term, uh, I think it's going to come down to either Memphis or Texas. I think. I've been told the dad wants to go to Texas, but I think there's some people that are pushing Memphis. Um, you know, Penny Hardaway being in the NBA all those years, Mike Miller being on staff. Um, you know, might, might you know might be able to uh, get him to the, the NBA and be more prepared maybe for the NBA than maybe Shaka would. But you know, there's also mention that Greg Brown's dad wants to make sure that Shaka's the basketball coach there when uh, Greg commits. You know, so I think there are a couple things that are kind of. Uh, hurting Texas at this time, but we shall see. But it's all said and done. I can see him end up in Texas because he's a local kid, wants to stay close to home. It's not like he's going to be there very long. It'd probably be a one-and-done situation if everything goes according to plan. So when it's all said and done, I see him in Texas. Well, Nils, you you mentioned Shaka Smart's name there, and we just discussed whether or not Shaka Smart's going to be here beyond this year at the University of Texas. Do you think – Greg Brown's recruitment might buy Shaka Smart another year because Greg Brown's family wants him to be coached by Shaka Smart. I don't think Shaka. I don't think they. I don't think they pay the ten million dollars on the buyout. I think Shaka tries to find uh, a soft landing spot like Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, or Clemson. Mm-hmm. Those are three jobs that might be opening up. I know that you know Clemson beat um, a watered down North Carolina team for the first time in sixty years at Chapel Hill on Saturday, so that might have bought. Brad Brownell some uh, time, but 
I know that Danny Manning's in trouble at Wake Forest, and Josh Pastor's had the off-the-court issues there at Georgia Tech. So both those jobs supposedly are of interest to uh, Shaka, from what I was told. So you can see him maybe being there. You know, that could be a situation where that's a soft landing spot, so he gets out, you know, and head in front of the posse. No doubt. All right, Lucas, you're uh, from Austin, of course. You've had the chance to see Greg Brown III in person a couple of times. Uh, your thoughts on him and also his potential college decision? Well, I mean, as, as Neil said, Memphis and Texas have to be considered the leaders, but I did think it was interesting that uh, North Carolina got swapped out with Michigan as far as the official visit goes. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen at all, but I do think it's interesting, and I do think that it's worth noting, I mean, especially these last two years, just how big of a jump Memphis has made on the recruiting trail. And now everybody seems to uh, be interested in Michigan as well. Um, Those are two schools that have now entered up there with the big boys, as far as Carolina and Kentucky and Duke and a couple other schools and, and uh, interesting top high school talent. So it's certainly uh, cluttering that uh, those rankings, as far as which prospects are, are available for the pickings, um, but, yeah, Greg's got his options, uh, and he can really do whatever he wants. But uh, I, I think Memphis is probably going to be where it ends up, just mm. just the uh, the NBA potential. Uh, you know, he's going to be with a bunch of other top recruits. Uh, Penny Hardaway probably appeals to, uh, to a guy like him. And I think he was there the other day for uh, a visit and, you know, probably enjoyed the atmosphere there. So, I just say, I think that that is a trendy pick right now for for a lot of guys, and yeah, you know, I don't see why it wouldn't appeal to him. So, do we need to be on the lookout for the Brown family moving to Memphis, maybe getting some funds from Penny Hardaway <laughs> to uh, to relocate? Are y'all telling me I need to look out for that? <laughs> oh man, well, I mean, what a shame it was though that James Wiseman got yeah got basically knocked out of college hoops. I mean, you can that's another discussion in itself, but just just how how sad is it that that you lose a guy that was that good. But, I mean, you know, you watched him play early on, and he played hard, too. Like, he wasn't just out there loafing around. He was he was really trying. And uh, I just think it's it's too bad that, that college hoops loses, loses a guy that talented. Yeah, I agree 100%. Big loss for college basketball. You'll feel that one in the tournament. You're always looking for those superstar players come March. James Wiseman was one of those guys. But uh, focusing now on the NBA draft. All right, guys, another Austin-area youngster, K.J. Adams, who's class of 2021. He is our third-ranked player from the class of 2021. He plays right across the street from where I am right now at Austin-Westlake. Nils, you mentioned you had some thoughts on K.J. Adams and his game and the year he's having with the Westlake Shaps. I mean, like Lucas mentioned, I don't think Westlake's lost a a district game in two or three years, but he's the next you know, in the long line of tremendous basketball players that Westlake's had over the last three or four years, you know, Started with Brock Cunningham, Matt Mayer, Keontae Kennedy, uh, you know Will Baker's on the Forty Acres, and Matt, you know Matt. I, don't, I said Matt Meyer. They got Darius McBride up at SMU's red shirt, but you know some other kids. You know proof that Austin basketball is pretty impressive. You know Westlake started off strong. They've got a deep roster. The Great House kid. I don't know how his basketball's been so far, but you know he was the kid that started as a true freshman at Westlake in football, which is unheard of. You know it's it's unheard of. And he did that on the state championship team. And some people believe he's a better basketball prospect than he is a football prospect. Lucas, what about you? You've got the chance, once again, to see K.J. Adams a couple of times. You mentioned how good Westlake's been this year. And, yeah, they've become a power in this Austin area over the last couple of years. What's uh, what's your thoughts on what's going on with him? 
Yeah, I mean, Westlake just for years in football and basketball has assembled a powerhouse, and it's just incredible the uh, the prospects that they're able to roll out in both sports. Um, you know, it almost seems like every every major sport you can't you can't really miss saying, oh well, there's an impact guy that that played at Westlake or went to Westlake, uh, and it's it's really impressive for for a school from Austin to be able to say that. And uh, I mean, yeah, Westlake's getting it done once again in district play. I mean, the big question for them is going to be can they can they produce in the playoffs again? I think because I think they have had some disappointing playoff exits in the last couple of years that probably don't speak to how good of teams they actually had. Um, you know, they've got, a, they've got a guy that, that, you know, that you can play around in KJ Adams right now, at least at the high school level for sure. And, you know, it's going to be up to them to finish their district season on a, on a good note. The second round district's about to start for, for all those teams in that district. And then to, you know, really keep, keep that, uh, that energy for the playoffs and, and find a way to produce and, uh, and make a deep run. But you know, they had a heck of a game with Anderson the other night. Uh, I know I wasn't at the game. I was up here at school, but heard, uh, heard it was a heck of an atmosphere. Uh, the madhouse on Mesa, they, they're calling it, but KJ Adams, <laughs> just, just too much for, for all the teams in that district. And who calls it that? So it's a new name going around. The news is calling it that. Who I mean, like tell me, like four people because I, I'm not calling it the Madhouse of Mason. <laughs> just the Anderson fans are the ones calling it that. That's uh, that's All it. Seventeen of them. Oh man, why are you taking shots at his alma mater? I mean, I know you guys like rival colleges, but uh, there's no need to bring it to the high school level. Come on, man. Well, the Madhouse of Mason, I just thought that was a little too much. I don't uh, think we can. I don't think we can go there with that. That's, that's pretty. <laughs> great, funny. It's a great atmosphere. It is. It really is. Yeah. No, it looked like it. Uh, saw some videos from that game the other night, and it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, Westlake, a perfect six and zero in District twenty five six A right now. We'll see if this is a year they can make a. They did make run. it to the state finals two years ago. That's true. That's, that's true. Two years ago, they did get there. Uh, we'll see if they can win that state championship this year. And, the, and sure. the year before, they got beaten in the regional, fi- uh, regional final. So, I mean, they had more success than we realized. Okay. So they struggled last year because Baker got hurt. Right. Remember, Baker hurt the finger, didn't play in the last game, and they ended up losing. But, you know, outside of that, they've had, they've had some deep runs. Yeah. Do you uh-huh. want to win the state title every year, Lucas? I want them to win the state title every year. <laughs> hey, they won it in football this year, so this could be a pretty special year for for Westlake. Uh, I'm looking at Max Preps right now, and they've got their state team rankings. They have Westlake number 10 in the state right now. They've got Lancaster number 1, and Duncanville, the reigning state champs, number 2, uh, for those out there who are curious. All right, guys, anything else we want to talk about? We're going to do a better job this year on staying on top of this podcast and trying to produce more of these than we did a year ago. So we don't want to kill all of our content this week, but anything else on your mind going on with basketball in the great state of Texas right now? That's good for me. I'll clarify my Westlake comment as far as more, uh, more so when I was back in high school Okay, is, uh, is the, maybe the playoff times that I was alluding to, but uh, yeah, no, no, that's fair. <laughs> I should uh, I should apologize too because I kind of went with you, but uh, you're right. They made some deep runs, but man, they feel like they're a state title contender every year, and this year is no different. But uh, we'll see what happens with Coach Lucero there. All right, guys, thank y'all. Of course, thanks everybody for listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Texas Top 100. Be sure to check out our website, TexasTop100.com. Please like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast. We're going beyond SoundCloud this year, so we're going to have a way to get this 
podcast available on iTunes and on Spotify. So wherever you get your podcast, you can now subscribe and listen to the Texas Top 100 podcast, which is a pretty cool thing that we're excited about. So tell your friends to tell your friends. And if you have ideas, if you have stuff you want us to talk about, be sure to DM us on Twitter. Those are always open at Texas Top 100. All right, for Lucas Vargas up in Michigan, for Nils Deco down in Houston, I am BK Brad Kellner here in Austin, Texas. Until next time, you'll have a great one. Thanks for listening. Take care.